for the first down and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grab, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And the handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! And welcome in to the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Kane Schwartz. Repping a little bit of the Ironbirds gear today. I've been working for him over the summer. Uh, not too fond of this bright orange shirt. Uh, we talked about it a little bit before the podcast. Definitely gives off traffic cone vibes. But uh, good to have you in today, my guy, joined by Jaden Kozak. How we feeling? Headed to uh, headed into to Team 27 on our rankings. How how we uh, how we feeling about that? Yeah, it's a good way to get fired. Sitting there slamming the slamming the attire of the team, slamming the team colors. I, you know I, they're listening. I don't Kane. think that you know that they're listening. I, yeah, you're right. They Jackson is a fond Jackson Holiday, number one overall prospect in baseball, is a fond listener of the yeah, podcast. He's, as I talk to him every day. We're a, we are the official podcast sponsor of Jackson Holiday. By the way, it was big news. We were waiting for the perfect time to drop it, but uh, yeah, we're gonna get a nice little yeah. like defamation lawsuit. Coming in the mail here over these next couple days. As a, he cannot for, possibly for be our giveaways. <laughs> for our giveaways in the future, we just had him sign a hundred jerseys. No, it's, it's give those out. It's spread it. a day with Jackson Holiday. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. And we can. Yeah, I got a lot to. Uh, I got a lot to. Got uh, a lot of relationships. Start to organizing. Yeah. yeah, got a lot to start organizing. But yeah, it's good to. Uh, be in here about to discuss uh, the 27th team in the rankings and if you look at the title of this video you will soon find out that it is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that we're looking to dive into today uh it's their first year um without Tom Brady man like this team has been led by the greatest quarterback of all time uh for quite some time now Uh, But he is done after putting up a pretty mediocre season last year. Uh, Not the best opportunity for him. Uh, But it opens up some opportunities for other guys on the offense, defense, to step up and possibly do something with his team. But obviously, by our rankings, we're not expecting too much. So without further ado, let's dive into it. And we start at the quarterback position for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they are manned by... A guy I used to be uh, a big fan of. I, I put him, I remember like two years ago, there was a conversation in the group chat that was like top 15, top 10 quarterbacks in the league, like independent of team or something like that. And Baker was on that list for me, and I got a lot of slander for that. And obviously, as we're sitting here today, that is not how I feel anymore. Uh, but yeah, Baker Mayfield's getting a third chance um, after being gone from the Browns, joining the Rams at the end of last year, not doing too great. And now he's got an opportunity in Tampa Bay to be QB1. Uh, So we'll see how it pans out, man. I don't feel too great about it. You also got uh, Kyle Trask (laughs) looking to give him some competition for that QB1 spot. Do you think this is clearly Baker's or do you think Kyle Trask might actually have a chance? Uh. 
It's really hard to tell. I mean, I think the fact that he's the leader in the clubhouse right now obviously bodes well for him. Heading into this season, I think his leash is going to be relatively short. Not that Kyle Trask is like this guy that we saw a whole lot from. Like, it's not like he came in and spelled Brady and was very good. I mean, hell, even Blaine Gabbert uh, did that. And I, I remember very vaguely that Brady said, like, some very glowing things about Blaine Gabbert in his time in uh, – in his time in Tampa, which I always thought was weird. And you'd kind of think they'd bring him back after all that they said. But, you know, Kyle Trask was a second-round pick uh, in the Super Bowl year for the Bucks, and it kind of felt like that was kind of a throwaway pick. Like, if you're going to try and get the heir apparent to Tom Brady, don't draft him in the second round. Um, but as of right now, this is Baker Mayfield's job. Obviously, he had his time in Cleveland. He gets his shot with Carolina to have the starting job back. He uh, loses the starting job. He even forgot about yeah, Carolina. Jeez. He's been around the block pretty has. in a small amount of period. Loses, small his, amount of time. loses his job to PJ or Darnold, one of the two. I can't remember. I mean, obviously both of them played in multiple stints last year. And then he, he gets a shot with the Rams. And week, the first week he gets with the Rams, he goes out and he balls out on Thursday night football for the entire world to see. And then he never really got to return to that uh, level of play for the rest of the year with L.A. Um, this is his last stop. It, it really does feel like that this is his last chance. We talked about it with Tannehill. I think that Baker Mayfield is way further down the list than Tannehill, in my opinion. I mean, obviously his age factors in a little bit, but I would think it's a higher chance that Ryan Tannehill is starting for someone next year than it is for Baker Mayfield to be starting for someone next year. Just because we haven't seen a good Baker Mayfield play football in over three years. Like, the last time that we saw good Baker Mayfield, it was Tom Brady's first year in Tampa Bay, and he's now retired. Like, we just haven't seen it. And like I said, it's been three years and a whole lot of bad football in between the last time we saw Baker Mayfield play at even a top half of the league level. Obviously, he plays in 2021 uh, through the injury, and I think that that really not only hurt his value across the league, but it also hurt how good he is as a player. You know, a sh throwing shoulder injury, with the way that he throws, he throws with so much torque and twist, that shoulder right. means a lot. And I think that that's kind of hurt his throwing motion and how he throws the ball, and then obviously comes out with Carolina last year, and it just never was clicking. We've seen one good game of Baker Mayfield in the last two years, probably. You know, one really good game. Uh and he comes into his best situation probably in a few years in Tampa. The only problem is the offensive line isn't there to protect him. I think that that was you know, more so than the running game of what he had to lean on in Cleveland. I think the most important part to his success in Cleveland was that fantastic offensive line. He doesn't have that here. He has a blindside protector interest in Wirfs, but not a whole lot else to go around. But he has a wonderful group of playmakers to try and help him out. And we'll talk about this in a little bit. But this is his last stop, and this is his last chance to prove himself as the number one overall pick. And I think if this doesn't work out, we can officially throw the bust label on Baker Mayfield. Yeah, for sure. If not, we can already do it already. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people number one. Over, yeah, when you're when you're talking right number one overall pick, like if he was a first round pick, we'd be still like teetering on it. As the number one overall pick, he would need to do a lot to turn his career around to not get the bust label. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, we have seen good things out of Baker Mayfield before. Uh, maybe he can recreate some of that success. But you mentioned it, the shoulder injury. I think that has lingered for him. And he just hasn't been able to really recover from that. Uh, so, 
yeah, we'll see how it pans out for Baker Mayfield, but he's going to face some competition from Trask. I think it's going to be Baker's job for the year, uh, but we shall see how it goes for the former number one overall pick. Uh, but let's move on from the QB conversation. Let's dive into uh, something we have a little bit more uh, optimism for, and that is the playmakers in this Tampa Bay offense. Uh, so going down the list, we got Mike Evans, uh, probably Tom Brady's. Would you call Mike Evans Tom Brady's favorite target while he's there? I always was, like, especially for fantasy, Chris Godwin was always the guy that I was targeting. The only problem is he spent the second half of year two two with Tom Brady with an injury and then he was recovering from that injury for the first half of last year so it was kind of weird to figure out how much value he had but as far especially in the end zone especially when they lost Gronk uh, to retirement it was all Mike Evans yeah for sure uh, but he definitely became a trusted target of the greatest quarterback of all time uh, but then following him you mentioned it we got Chris Godwin so Used to be one of the best wide receiver tandems in the league. Uh, can't say the same anymore because, you know, age catches up to everybody. Uh, Mike Evans, I believe, is already 30 years old. If not, he turns 30 this year. Uh, Chris Godwin's like 27. So not exactly too old yet. But when you're talking about wide receivers, that's starting to get up towards uh, the end of your prime there. So, But then you got Russell Gage still there. Uh, from over, they acquired him from Atlanta. Uh, didn't show too much last year. There was a lot of optimism for him uh, when Tom Brady spoke up for him, uh, but haven't seen much there. And then the running back situation, you got Rashad White back there, and um, we had we've had some discussion about Rashad White. Uh, I think we sit on two different ends of the spectrum when it comes to him. Uh, but yeah, then you got like the mediocre tight end core of Kate Otten and. I don't even know what the other name is. So that'll show you my uh, football expertise uh, when it comes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tight ends. But overall, I was looking at these playmakers, man, and I just like I wanted to think of all the great days we saw from Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, and I just wanted to rank them higher than they should be. Uh, but our consensus ranks came out to 22. So who do you think emerges as the top wide receiver target for a Baker Mayfield-led offense this year? Uh, my personal opinion, I think it'll be Chris Godwin. I've been a Chris Godwin over Mike Evans guy for a while now. Um, I think he's just, he just is in a playing from the slot. He's just going to get more targets. He's going to be playing in the similar role to what Jarvis Landry was playing uh, in Cleveland for Baker Mayfield when he was having success there. They're going to run that Shanahan style offense, the wide zone scheme that uh, Kevin Stefanski ran in Cleveland. So it's going to be a lot of the same stuff. Here, which I think is ultimately going to help Baker Mayfield. And if he succeeds this year, that will be a big reason why. You talked about this wide receiver duos. I still, I still think that Mike Evans and Chris Godwin is probably a top five duo in the NFL. I mean, you go Tyreek, Jalen, Jamar, T. Um, then you're throwing around like AJ and Devontae. And then that's, I, I think Mike Evans and Chris Godwin slide in right after that, in my opinion. I mean, these are, yeah. like said, Mike Evans is a 1,000-yard receiver. I think a full, healthy season of Chris Godwin is also a 1,000-yard receiver. The problem here and the reason why they're going to be 22nd, which is the highest group that we've had so far, uh, but still is not even in the top half of the league, is 
those three other faces that we have on this graphic here. Russell Gage is a fine receiver to be a number three, but you're not like overly excited about it. Um, and Kate Otten and Rashad White, I don't share the optimism that a lot of people do with Rashad White. Uh, I think that a lot of the hype from last year was, okay, well, he's a rookie. Leonard Fournette's old. If Leonard Fournette gets hurt, Rashad White's a great receiving back. He's going to get so much work. So everybody loved him for fantasy. And then Rashad, then when Fournette went down, Rashad White was just kind of eh. Um, and people are still kind of carrying that into this year. Uh, I just, I don't see it with Rashad White. I never really did. Like I understood that he's going to get the opportunity and opportunity is very important for running backs, especially in fantasy, but this is not an offense. that's going to create a lot of favorable looks for Rashad White with that offensive line. Um, you've also got Chase Edmonds here as well, who can, who is the pass catching guy like that. When you're talking about a pass catching running back, Chase Edmonds is the picture in the dictionary at least recently over the last few years, as far as guys that aren't towards the upper echelon of guys that aren't towards the upper echelon in the NFL, like solely pass catching backs picture in the dictionary may have been a stretch. I couldn't think of a different term, <laughs> but Chase Edmonds, the no, best he, pass catching yeah, back of ever, all time. Ever. Yep. That's what um, I'm saying. <laughs> this is, this is the Philip Lindsay, uh, conundrum uh, happening okay. again. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah, right. yeah. That's fair. Um, that's but, and that's then fair. also Kate Otten, Co-Keefe, like that's not a tight end duo that scares me in the slightest. Um, and that's ultimately, you know, when you have two great wide receivers like that, it's great. But when your other three spots are t- probably towards the bottom of the league, that's probably going to put you right where they're at at 22. Yeah. I'll make a case for Rashad White real quick. Like you said, I mean, the biggest thing is opportunity, you know, like Chase Edmonds. Yeah. Like, I will not agree that he's in any dictionary ever for anything, even a football dictionary. Uh, But Chase Edmonds had his opportunity in Miami last year. Didn't really show a lot at all. Uh, Only showed flashes in Arizona. So, like, I really think he's just a death piece for this team now. Flashes in a dictionary picture. (laughs) That's fair. But they've got, like, behind him, they've got Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, they drafted a couple – or no, they were undrafted rookie running backs that they brought in. They brought in two of them. And, like, I mean, it's a lot of depth, but there's not a lot of proven guys in that RB backfield. Uh, the number of backs is concerning and definitely gives you less faith in Rashad White. But he's the clear RB1 right now with a team that is probably going to check the ball down a lot with Baker Mayfield because he's not the same quarterback that he used to be. Uh, say, And I'm not even saying that to say that Baker Mayfield was a great quarterback at any time. But he's traditionally been a pretty much check down quarterback. And he's going to check it down to Rashad White. So he's going get to get the receiving game. And he's the clear RB1 in this team. So he's going to get to work on the ground. This team's going to pass the ball a lot less than they did with Tom Brady. I mean, even in Tom Brady's last year, he was th- there were games where he threw 50 passes. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think it didn't really show that can be attributed to Byron Leftwich, who we'll talk about uh, a little bit when we get to the coaching side of this team. Uh, one more thing that I want to just touch on real quick. Got to got to cover our Terps here. Rakeem Jarrett is on the roster at this moment. I do think that Ooh, he'll make this okay. team. I really do. This is a former number one wide receiver in the country. He was a five star prospect coming out of high school. The only problem is he's softer than baby shit. He cannot doesn't take contact very well, doesn't handle hands very well in his routes. 
He's one of the Chris was one of the crisper route runners in college this past season, but just cannot handle any kind of contact. But I do think that if they can beef him up, he can play for this team. Uh, he's behind Trey Palmer, so he doesn't technically make the graphic. But teams typically carry. I'd, I'd say teams would carry seven receivers into the season, especially when there's not a whole lot of certainty towards the bottom end of this roster. They also have Trey Palmer in here to be a field stretcher for them. But watch out for Rakeem Jarrett. I, I, again, this is a totally biased take because he is, in fact, a Terp. But do not be surprised if he makes this team. Yeah, a couple of Terps wide receivers that got uh, went undrafted but found teams. Uh, where'd Copeland end up? I know one of them ended. I know it was either Demas or Copeland that ended up in Baltimore, and then I think the other yeah, one ended I think up in Demas. I think the other one ended up in Tennessee because he ended up with Jalen Duncan, the tackle for Maryland, who we didn't get. We didn't uh, even cover Jalen Duncan yesterday. Damn it! <laughs> you know what? Also, we didn't cover as we're like eighteen minutes into the episode. It was our hundredth episode uh, when we did Chicago, the think. Bears. Yeah. yeah. So, 100 episodes down for the Blitz Podcast. If I knew how to uh, add confetti cool. confetti and uh, horns, uh, I'd do it. So, just imagine that there's confetti and horns flying right now. For the audio listeners, there's definitely confetti and horns going on right now. That's yeah. the, just a yeah. little jazz hands action, you know, just to give us a little bit of excitement right. over that. Uh, but, yeah, 100 episodes down. But we got a lot more to go, man, so let's uh, keep grinding. So, as we move on from the playmakers for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we dive into this offensive line, which is not the same offensive line that once protected Tom Brady two years ago. Uh, We saw that on clear display last year as Tom Brady really struggled with his line, was continually frustrated, was yelling at them on the sidelines. Uh, So, you knew shit was going on there. And now you go into this year. And you got Tristan Wirfs, who's been one of the better tackles in the league since he came in. Uh, First-round pick. Uh, so he's been great. Uh, but then you got Ryan Jensen at center, who had a more disappointing year last year. And, I mean, you got Filer, too. But, I mean, this definitely isn't the same O-line that this Bucks team was once known for. So what do you like? Who pops off the page to you? I mean, the obvious guy that pops off the page is Tristan Wirfs. He is... When healthy, one of the top three or four tackles in the NFL, especially being as young as he is. This is only year four for him. He was drafted the year that Brady came to Tampa, so yeah, year four. Um, but he is going to be switching from right to left. They've had Donovan Smith at left tackle, who's been a you know solid average starting left tackle in the league for however many years he's been in it, really. Um, but he has now gone to Kansas City, I want to say. Um, so they're going to switch Tristan Wirfs to the left side now. Uh, I think that may take a hit on his play at first, because obviously, you know, guys, when they switch from right to left, there is a little bit of a learning curve there. Uh, but it obviously increases his value because being the best left tackle in the league is much more valuable than being the best right tackle in the league. Uh, Ryan Jensen is coming off that ACL injury that he suffered, I want to say, in camp last year. Uh, and he only got to play oh, a few yes. games this past season, so... At his age, that's not really something that you're too optimistic about as far as him getting back to playing at an elite level. Matt Filer, former Steeler, was a guy that I liked a lot. I think he provides value to this team because he can play all five spots, really. He played center for us. He played tackle for us. He played guard for us. And he played guard for the Chargers last year, and I think he may have also played tackle for them in a pinch. Uh, Luke Gottecki and Cody Mauch. 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 Not entirely. I think it's... I think it's... No, it's not. Mouch doesn't even make any sense. 
But that's how it's... You'll know him by the picture that was going around Twitter that made him look like crazy. I mean, I'm well, pretty this sure is, he used this. Is, I was going to say, this is yeah. pretty much it. And I think they're fine. Like, they are... I think, like, a lot of people were saying this around draft season was if he didn't have the long red hair and he had two front teeth, you know, maybe he's a third or fourth round pick. But instead he gets picked in the second round here because he's just got that big, gritty Irish look to him. Um, and then Luke Gottike was a guard last year. He's going to swing out the tackle now. There's a lot of movement going on on this offensive line, which is pretty scary, especially with a guy that's not Tom Brady coming in here that can command and can take control of things like that. Uh, so we have this group ranked at 26. It's nothing overly impressive. I just I don't see a big ceiling for this group. I think it's kind of is what it is right now. I'm not a big fan of the two young guys that they have. I think they're probably going to be what they are now. Uh, and really the biggest movement that I could see happening is Ryan Jensen taking a big step backwards and making this group even lower level and it just being Tristan Wirf and, Wirfs and four other guys. Yeah, for sure. And last thing I'll mention about the O-line is when we saw Baker Mayfield at his best in Cleveland, they had one of, if not the best, offensive line in football. And so that just goes to show you, like, Tom Brady was used to having a really good line. So is Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield plays really bad without a good O-line. So, you know, not great things on the plate for Baker Mayfield in this O-line this year. Uh, but we do feel a lot better about the front seven for the Tampa Bay Bucks. So let's dive into it. All right. So you got the classic linebacker core, the linebacker core that's probably been one of, if not the best over the past like three or four years. Uh, it's Devin White and Levante David, um, absolute dogs. And then you got Shaq Barrett on the outside, who's also a signature name. Um, and Vita Bea up the middle, who is always a threat to any team. He's a run stuffer. He's massive. He's like a man amongst boys. I mean, he's probably going to be one of the top three. I mean, if not already. Like, do you think Vita Bea is a top three defensive tackle in the NFL right now? Um. Well, the thing is, he doesn't provide as much. He doesn't really provide anything at all rushing the passer. As far as like your your signature right. nose tackle, he's definitely up there. Um, he's been kind of like I spoke about it a little bit in here. He's been a little bit on a down step these last year or two. Um, has like I said provided nothing at all rushing the passer, and has been getting pushed around. As weird as it is that that guy could ever get pushed around in the run game. Um, but he has been doing that, and I honestly think that, that is part of the reason why they went after Kalijah Kansi. I know that he's a completely different player, yeah. but if Tr Tristan Wirfs is going to be taking a step back, you really need to have somebody that can rush the passer, and Kalijah Kansi is the yin to Vita Vea's yin. Like, Vita Vea strictly going to be stopping the run now, is big, slow, can't like cannot rush the passer, but is going to stuff the run. Kalijah Kansi, the complete opposite. He is a thinner He's lighter for a defensive tackle, but he can really get after the passer. It's not going to do you a whole lot in the run game, but he was a elite level tester. Like we talked so much about how well Jordan Davis tested uh, in the year before last. Uh, Kalijah Kansi tested just as well. It wasn't just he's not as big as Jordan Davis, so it wasn't as impressive. But I think he had the highest forty time for a defensive tackle ever, and he's going to come in here and I think he's going to make a really big impact for this team who did struggle rushing the passer, especially after Shaq Barrett got injured last year. 
And I think they're going to continue struggling to rush the passer. They have former first-round pick Joe Tryon Shoyinka is here. Hasn't really shown that he's a first-round player yet. Shaq Barrett is actually, believe it or not, I believe is turning 30 this season. Um, coming off of an ACL tear, they are going to need Kalaja Kansi to be a significant contributor for them. And Devin White, I know it was some like early off-season news that he requested a trade because... Mm-hmm. Uh, the contract situation was, wasn't where he wanted it to be at the time. Who knows? Maybe he holds out. Uh, I'm not entirely sure on that at this time. But you have Levante David here who, with age, is still one of the best four linebackers in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, he's He is your leader of this group, for sure. But you're going to need some significant improvements. This is like this is the group where you look at it and you say, okay, there's a lot of room for improvement here. You also have um, Yaya Diaby, who I sh- there should be orange under his name because he is a rookie. Um, he's going to be he needs to be a contributor for this team. Joe Tryon Shinka needs to be a contributor for this team. Kalijah Kansi needs a contributor. You also have Logan Hall, who you drafted at I believe they traded out of the first round last year to like 34 or 35 drafted him in the first round. So they've put significant investment into this defensive front seven and haven't been getting the results that they'd hoped for. So you really need to see some significant improvement to, I mean, this could very well be a top 10 unit if one or two of these guys fills out, but they just haven't to this point. Right. They need the younger guys to step up for sure. Um, Vita Bay can take a next step. Like, like you said, he doesn't really provide anything in like the pass game like he's not rushing the pass really at all he's just a run stuffer so far um so he can definitely take another step up uh but i mean this is an older linebacker core but as you said they have been one of the best in football um as of late uh so yeah feel pretty good about this front seven for the tampa bay bucks and also you still got top bowls at the home at the helm uh so Defensive-minded guy. He's always done great things with his Bucks defense. Uh, so, so hopefully he can cont- continue to do that with our 17th-ranked front seven for this unit. Uh, but he's got a little less to work with on the secondary uh, as we dive into that. Um, still got Jamel Dean there uh, in the classic Carlton Davis. Uh, probably one of the better corners in the league uh, still. Uh, Antoine Winfield. At safety, he showed flashes at times. Uh, you bring Ryan Neal over from Seattle, who, I mean, has kind of been middle of the pack, really. Um, but, yeah, what do you think about this secondary, man? Yeah. Thoughts off the bat? I, I thought it was interesting because I believe he may have finished uh, as the highest-rated safety in the NFL. Nobody talks about Ryan Neal. When the Bucks signed wow. Ryan Neal, nobody was like – any other position, really, if there's a guy playing and he's getting graded at the top of his group, he's being talked about as, oh, this could be one of the best players in our league right now. Ryan Neal was graded at an 85.6, which is the highest for any safety last year, and he signed for like wow. a meh deal with Tampa Bay. And I think that's going to be the thing here is you have four guys that you know are going to give you starter level or above play in Jamel Dean, Carlton Davis, Antoine Winfield, and Ryan Neal. I think Antoine Winfield is one of the six or seven best safeties in the NFL. Um, Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis are probably two in the top 10, top 12 best uh, one, two at corner. 
and Ryan Neal, who, like I said, was the highest graded safety last year. The problem is going to be that fifth spot. Uh, D. Delaney is there. They've got Zion McCollum, who they drafted in the fifth round last year. If you remember, he was testing like out of the gym last. Like he was, I think he was a four very low four threes, if not high four twos guy at like six two. He was getting second round buzz stressed off of his pro day, ends up falling to them in the fifth round. Uh so maybe he takes a spot. Um but it's it's really going to come down to who wins that fifth spot and who's going to if he's going to be able to give them good play there. Uh this could be a top half group for sure, especially if that fifth spot gets filled well and Ryan Neal plays as well as he did last year. Uh, I think there's I think Antoine Winfield could take that step here. We have him as our breakout candidate with Levante David maybe aging out here. You know, Vita Vea is also older. Antoine Winfield could take us if he takes a step next year, will be the leader of this defense moving forward. And I, like I said, one of the five or six best safeties in the NFL. So lots of room for improvement here. And it's really just all about that fifth spot. Yeah, for sure. Uh, last thing I'll say on the secondary, it hurts to lose Sean Murphy bunting. Uh, but when we talked about him, like he was the third corner on this team, you know, so if he's the third corner on your team, you're obviously in a pretty good spot. Uh, and Carlton Davis, I mean, at times he's been a top three corner shutdown corner in the National Football League. Like he's been one of the better corners in the league. Like, I, I mean, do you disagree with that statement? Like at times He's been a top three corner in the league. I'm not certain that he's a top three corner in his division. <laughs> oh, dude. That's he, that's a little overstretching it, man. Come on. AJ Terrell, Marshawn Lattimore, JC Horn. He's better than JC Horn. I don't know, man. Uh, like, JC Horn still got like the times, potential wrapped around him. At times I hear it, but just look at the like that front seven that we're talking about, and we're like, man, this could be this was once one of the best units in the league. When it was one of the best units in the league, that's when Carlton Davis was playing like a top corner in the NFL. And, you know, you've also got Jamel Dean and you've also got Sean Murphy punting and you got Antoine Winfield playing safety. Like this this team won a Super Bowl two or three years ago. And it's very apparent because there are a lot of pieces left on this roster. We'll talk about that when we kind of wrap everything up. But Carlton Davis, when you trust him on an island, he's not um he's definitely not in my top three. I'll tell you that much. And I don't. Like yeah, I said, no, not right now. I said at times. I mean, it, I tried to stress that part. Like, and you met. We agree because, like, when they were winning the Super Bowls, he was. He was one of the better corners in the NFL. The top sure. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on from this secondary unit and let's dive into the coaching staff for the Tampa Bay Bucks, and they are led by the guy we mentioned earlier, Todd Bowles who's had a pretty interesting run, to say the least. Uh, he took over as the head coach and didn't really see that much success with Tom Brady. Uh, so don't love to see that. Do you think Todd Bowles is in a hot seat situation? One of the hotter seats in the NFL, possibly? I think that is a, I think that is astute analysis uh, of his current standing right now. Um Look, the the Bruce Arians thing where he decided, you know what, I'm going to move into a front office role kind of blindsided us. I'm pretty sure that happened in like May of last year. Uh, So him moving into that front office role and then Todd Bowles moving into a head coaching role was kind of a late 
move that you you don't see coaches get switched around in May when camp is our some camps are already going on OTAs are already going on um I th- I think that if it's another disappointing year fair or unfair he might be out of here just because like we talked about with Tennessee like we talked about with Chicago teams are looking for offensive minded head coaches and Tampa Bay could be in a position you know being towards the bottom in our rankings here they could be a team that's in position to go get a Caleb Williams a Drake May and they will want an offensive head coach to try and develop that guy Todd Bowles's defense you know the way that he runs the ultra aggressive thing may not work all the time and like for example we saw that in 2021 when he sent that all out i know this is just an isolated play he sent an all-out blitz on the rams cooper cup is one-on-one he wins against antoine winfield rams go to the super bowl win the super bowl we're maybe talking about tom brady being an eight-time champion if todd bowl sits back in cover three there but yeah Definitely one of the hotter seats in the NFL. I do think that the move to get rid of Byron Leftwich will definitely buy Todd Bowles some time because you can, you know, it's easy enough to just point at the offensive coordinator. Uh, the run pass pass offense that he ran last year wasn't really very fruitful, as we saw, leading them to a mere eight wins. Um, Dave Canales is going to come in here. He's going to run, like I mentioned earlier, he's going to run that Shanahan, Shanahan wide zone scheme. Uh, which Baker Mayfield is obviously comfortable in. It's going to create a lot of open looks. I think if there is hope for Rashad White, I think that that's it. You know, he's going to get a lot of favorable running looks. It's just a matter of can the offensive line execute those looks for him. Todd Bowles is going to be running this defense. Uh, I I had to uh, do some editing. Poor Mitchell, I love him to death and I appreciate it. Steelers legend Larry Foote was a bit of a stretch. I just had to back that up and put former Steeler Larry Foote because they don't have a defensive coordinator right now, but he is the run and pass game coordinator for the defense. So, you know, you put those two together. Um, what a weird title. I know. Run and pass game coordinator for the defense. I think, yeah, I think he's just the run game court. Like he, def- he coordinates the defensive run game and the defensive pass game, which again, put that together, you're coordinating the entire defense. Um, yes, but Todd Bowles is still going to be calling plays uh, on the defensive side of the ball, I'd imagine. So it's going to be interesting. We have this group ranked at 28th, um, and I think that does stem from the uncertainty around Todd Bowles right now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, he has been one of the better defensive minds in all of football. I mean, when he was the defensive coordinator for this team in its prime, uh, this defense was elite. You know, and it could be at an elite level again this year, uh, but it all lies on the hands of Todd Bowles. And as you said, he's not an offensive mind. The offense is not going to get it done, especially with Baker Mayfield at the helm. So it's going to rely upon Todd Bowles' defensive play calling and his ability to lead another defense to, you know, like really good shit. So. We will see how it goes with Todd Bowles this year as he sits on the hot seat in Tampa Bay. Uh, but let's move on to the schedule for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2023. So, strength of schedule is 22nd in the league, so not facing too much competition. Uh, their over-under is sitting at 6.5 wins, which is a little lower than our uh, two teams prior. And, yeah, I... I'm going to go a pretty easy under, and I think this might be the easiest under that I've done so far. I think I may concur, my friend. I uh, I, I 
listen, we're talking about this division. This is we every time that we've brought up a team playing in this division, which I think is the AFC South. So we've got to talk about the Texans and the Titans playing this division. This is the worst division in football. So six and a half wins going over that might win you the division, to be quite honest. And even though they are, we haven't gotten to the Saints, Panthers, uh, or Falcons yet. I think they have just as good of a chance of winning this division as any other team in here. And if they can, like I said, they get those six of the games that they'll play are against those three teams. And I think that they have a shot in winning every single one of those games. They also get the AFC South, which is the second best or second worst division in the NFL. You get to play the Texans. You get to play the Titans. You get to play the Colts. Um, six and a half. Three rookie QBs. Yeah, three rookie quarterbacks as well. Um, well, yeah, if Levis is playing, let's see, when do they, right. they play him in week 10? I think there's a 50-50 shot Levis is playing at that point. Um, I think Levis is probably playing by that point. A little Kentucky sure. overconfidence there, buddy. Um, <laughs> but six and a half wins, I think, is totally attainable. Um, like I said, this team, you know, three years ago, Super Bowl champion. Now, the obvious guy that's gone from this team is Tom Brady. But if you really look around and you list the most impactful players from that team, you know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Tristan Wirfs, Levante David, Devin White, Antoine Winfield, the pair of corners, Vita Vea. It's all still here. Like you're missing you're missing some guys on the offensive line. You don't have A B, you don't have Gronk, you don't have Fournette, um, you don't have Sean Murphy Bunting either. Um but there's a lot of remnants from that Super Bowl team still here. This was, mind you, and this will be the biggest ranking uh discrepancy either way. We had this team number three last year. Number three. Oh, my God. They lost Tom Brady, which, yeah, that's a big one. They lost Leonard Fournette. They lost Sean Murphy Bunting from last year's team. Pretty sure that's, like, it as far as legit key departures There go. was another O-lineman that they Don- lost, Donovan too. Smith they lost as well. Um, but that we knew that they didn't have Ali Marpet because he retired uh, early in the offseason last year. He was – we definitely knew that when we were putting our powerings out, but – going down 24 spots is easily going to be the biggest season-to-season difference that we have here. I think the only one that might be in the conversation for it is Seattle because I believe we had Seattle at 30 last year. Um, Well, what do we have the Rams at? Oh, that's a good one. I actually think that might be bigger because we had the Rams. I think that is We had the Rams at four. So, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. 2020 yeah, champions, of, 2021 champions right. are now sitting at 31 and 27. Jeez, man. The, NFL stands, the, the NFL stands for not for long, and this is why. <laughs> that is the truth, man. So let's, uh, let's dive in, not for long, speaking of that, let's dive into the uh, championship window and the overall wrap-up for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, so... The offense, uh, consensusly, consensus, consensusly. Just roll with it. Sure. You gotta, you gotta say it confidently, because then you'll be like, oh yeah, that's a word. But if you're like, you're consensusly, right. yeah, that's not you're a right. fucking word. Yeah. Well, you've said a couple of words these past like couple podcasts, and I'm like, all right. I pulled out dynamism on you, and you were like, you dude, that smart. like that threw me for a fucking loop. But I need to start using that more. Uh, but yeah, so consensus across the BlitzPod rankings, we've got the offense for the Tampa Bay Bucks ranked 26th out of 32 teams in the NFL, so not too optimistic there. Uh, but on the defensive side, it does get a little better, not too much better though. Uh, still in the bottom half of the league 
23rd consensively on defense, consensusly, consensively, uh, whatever. Uh, but the championship window for this team has officially closed. NFL stands for not for long, and it has not been for long for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we've got their championship window like three to four years away. I mean, this is a team that's, as you mentioned, still hanging on to some of the remnants of that Super Bowl squad. And as much as you don't want to accept it, this team isn't going to win a Super Bowl anymore. So you need to, you know, clean house, officially start that rebuild, get rid of some of the pieces like Shaq Barrett, Levante David, Devin White, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Like guys have been that guys that have been there for a while. Like you need to, you know, get a clean slate. And we haven't seen that approach yet from the Buccaneers. So as long as they stay away from it, their window is going to be closed. I mean, do you agree? Yeah, I mean, three to four was kind of tough because, like, let me just say now, it would be a little bit different because if this team is in a position to get a Caleb Williams or a Drake May next year, maybe their roster has been a little bit more depleted. Maybe they don't have, you know, a couple of these guys, uh, whether it be to trades or injury or whatever. Um, But if they get Caleb Williams, whether, like, maybe they're the eighth worst team, they trade up the number one to get him, it's not crazy to say that they're right back in it. Like, this is an older team because they brought in a lot of vets to put around Tom Brady. Um, but and if they did bring in Caleb Williams, it would be a very small window because, again, this team is old. The more the years go on and, like, yeah, we'd see all this development for Caleb Williams, but then these Levante Davids, the Shaq Barretts, the Mike Evans, these guys are going to start dropping off in talent. They're going to be dropping off the team. Um, but you're now at that spot. Like last year we had them at number three, they were in a championship window. And like I said, it is a circle with Tom Brady retiring that jerks you out of the championship window. And now you got to go all the way back around potentially. And the only way that you could do that really fast is if you go get one of those top two quarterbacks next year uh, and just really go all in before the rest of this roster falls apart. Um, this offensive ranking at 26, like I said, if Tom Brady was here, we're probably talking about a top 10 unit again, just because, you know, there's enough. This is better than most units in the league uh, with the wide receivers, with Tom Brady, of course, in a hypothetical world, but it's not. Uh, it's Baker Mayfield, and it's just a matter of can he let Tristan Wirfs play like the best left? Can he let Mike Evans and Chris Godwin be the one of the best wide receiver pairs in the NFL? Uh, and then the defense, it's really just about health and consistency. You know, you've got to keep guys like Shaq Barrett, guys like Levante David, Vita Vea, those older guys healthy. You're going to need some significant development uh, along that front seven with Joe Tryon, uh, Logan Hall, Kalijah Kansi. That's three, practically three first round picks in a row that you've spent on the front seven. And obviously, we haven't seen Kalijah Kansi quite yet, but you can't confidently say that one of them has worked out yet. So. Lots of room for improvement for the defense, in my opinion, because it's really just you know if we can get a if we can get a significant step up from one of those guys, this is easily a top twenty unit. If you can get two of them to break out, we're maybe talking about a top twelve unit. Mm-hmm. But for right now, I think you got to go all the way back around the circle again to get back into that championship window. Yeah, and like on the offensive side, I think there is a world where maybe Chris Godwin and Mike Evans go for a thousand yards, like both this year. And obviously, if those two guys go for a thousand yards, you're having a pretty solid season offensively. So, and you know, a lot there's of the, a lot of a lot of variables. A lot of the same things I said about the defense matter for the offense. You know, guys like Ryan Jensen, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, 
Baker Mayfield need to stay healthy because yep. all of those guys have an injury history. Mike Evans doesn't have a super long injury history, but he is 30 years old. Um, and, and even Baker Mayfield, who's 25, 26, has a significant injury history at this point in his career. So keeping those guys healthy is going to be important. I think if they all stay healthy, I'd say pretty confidently that this is higher than the number 27 team in the NFL. But the problem is I can't bet on that based on what I've seen from them over the last few years. Yeah, agreed. Agreed for sure. So they got to go all the way back around circle to eventually make it back to their championship window once again. Uh, but still a lot of solid contending pieces on this team. It's just kind of like a mix match. Uh, but we'll see how it goes, man. Like you said, there's a lot of variables that could bump this team up to a top 15 team this year. You know, so we shall see. Uh, we have them not probably, well, we have them ranked as the lowest team in this division. Uh, but as you said, there is a chance that they could win the division, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised. So, all right. Well, that just about does it for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, the breakdown of the 27th team in the National Football League, according to the Blitz Pot Power Rankings. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to diving into the rest of them. That's now five, six, six. Six teams down and many more to go. So can't wait to dive into the rest. But until then, we will catch you later. Peace.